It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 30-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. So used to be that you would want to get a mortgage and you'd go to a bank, but now that is starting to change pretty dramatically. Non-banks are lending money. What is that all about? You know, the non-banks are lending institutions. Uh, the traditional banks are the big ones that we know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, the list goes on. I hate to say it, but it's easier to get a mortgage. It seems like you have less hoops to jump through. or paperwork, perhaps. When you go th- uh, directly with a lender. And this is my opinion, mm-hmm. so in my perspective. So sorry if you work for a bank. Mm-hmm. I find it a lot easier to deal with a mortgage lender that's not tied in with a bank you can reach them at night. You can yeah. reach them different hours. It's just an easier, cleaner experience. Well, you know, there is a way to kind of differentiate between the bank and the non-bank. So obviously, Wells Fargo is probably the number one bank issuing mortgages, and then comes J.P. Morgan Chase. But the third is Quicken Loans. See, there's a non-bank yeah. offering mortgages. I, you just gave me a face, so yeah. we, won't, we won't say what you really think about <laughs> Quicken Loans, but that's not the point. In terms of volume, they're number three. And there's a lot of smaller companies coming up behind them that are kind of taking this over. I don't know for sure, but it seems like they would be subject to less regulations because, you know, the big banks have been operating under new laws since the crash. Right, right. I just think that my opinion is they just don't want to lend money anymore. They're they're going down a different direction with their business model. And these mortgage lenders want to lend, lend money. Well, let me tell you what could be a possible hiccup in this whole idea. According to the article, these non-banks are borrowing money on the short term. Right. So they're getting short-term rates, which are probably in the one, one and a half, let's say. And they're lending long-term and they're getting four and a half. And that spread is where they make their money. Well, if short-term rates rise, which they are rising. Yep. And of course, you're lending at a fixed rate. Yep. There could be a point in time when the amount of spread between the two narrows, and that can hurt margins. And then if it narrows too much, it can actually really hurt the balance sheet and bad things can happen. Sure. Yeah. So just nothing that we have any control over, just something to really understand. Okay. So prices of residential real estate are high. Yeah. And we're still in a seller's market. Technically, yes. Technically. What does that mean, technically? You know, real estate is local, so it really depends on what's happening in your neck of the woods. Mm. What is happening in your neck of the in woods? In my neck of the woods, mm. dep- it's all, I'll break it down even further. It depends okay. on price point. So, for oh. example, our medium price home in my marketplace is in the high five, six range. When you hit the $600,000 mark, we're really in a balanced market, meaning it's neither a buyer's market or seller's market. You get under that, it's still a seller's market. You go above that, especially once you hit the luxury market, it's very much a buyer's market. Now, in different communities, luxury markets could be different price levels, right? That's right. I mean, technically, I think we draw the line around seven fifty. If you lived in San Francisco, (laughs) that's a poor poor man's house. (laughs) It'd be like ten million dollars over luxury, (laughs) you know. So, okay. So, what about starter homes? Sellers or buyer market? Uh, very much a seller's market. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had a million of them. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. So basically, there's a report that two out of three economists surveyed are thinking that this market's going to continue until 2020, 
and then it's going to turn. Um, I mean, that's a prediction, right? It's a prediction. I mean, there is a shift coming. Every market has a cycle. We're starting to see the slowdown a little bit. We're seeing the pullback. We're seeing the yeah, pullback because the pricing has gotten too high. Yeah. And when you look at a medium, let's take an example. If you're making $100,000 a year and you can afford a $400,000 house, well, your income's not rising. That $400,000 house keeps going up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually what happens is the $100,000 income people can't purchase those homes, so those prices are going to start to fall back right, down. Right. Supply and demand. Okay. And- a buyer has the choice now of either buying or renting. That's and true. And then you get to this part of the cycle where sometimes it's better to rent than it is to buy and sometimes vice versa. That's right. Mm-hmm. So according to the material that I'm reading, it's starting to be more of a renter's market. A tipping point. Yeah. Now, here's the secret. When they calculate this, you have to take into consideration the money that in order to make it work, you have to take the consideration what your rent is and what that rent would be if you were to purchase it. Mm-hmm. But the secret is you have to save that money, the difference. The difference. And that is the point. So let's say you have a $2,500 mortgage versus a rental for 2000 Right. Okay. For those numbers really to work, you've really got to save that 500 bucks. That's correct. And most people don't do that. No. But listen, as a financial planner, let me say something here. You've got to have money in the bank. You've got to have at least emergency funds in the bank in case something unsuspected happens, God forbid, a car accident or something like that. What is it, six months Six months, yeah, yeah. You know, it also depends. If you have a job that's in a cyclical industry, let's say you're in construction and that goes up and down, you really want more. One year. Right? But if you're, let's say you're a doctor and and you're in an industry which is pretty steady, you don't really need that because the chances of you losing your job are probably pretty remote. So it has to do more with the kind of work you're in. But six months is a good average for sure. Okay. You know, I'm always looking for signs of overheating and I don't really get the sense that the housing market is hot, hot, hot. And I think one indication is this idea that home flipping is hitting a four-year low. Yes. You, you don't see it much. You don't see it much anymore. Why, why is that? Well, the home flippers, they were taking advantage of purchasing the distressed properties because for them, a home flipper is all about profit margin. Yeah. Now, how much money can I make out of it? So they gravitated to the foreclosures and the distressed sales. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, they don't exist. I mean, there's some out there, yeah, but course. not to the scale that we, we had. So the more that a flipper has to pay, and usually they have to then go in and spend some of their own capital to improve the property, make it ready for sale, the spread Again, that word, the spread between the two starts to narrow, so it becomes less economically attractive. That's correct. Okay. My guest, as always, is Terry Story, a 30-year veteran with Keller Williams, located in Boca Raton, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.